We're going to be over in the book of Galatians and chapter 6, if you want to turn over there. Galatians and the 6th chapter. There were two travelers who were on the road together, and when a bear suddenly appeared on the scene, before he, observe, before he observed him, one made for a tree. There was a tree at the side of the road, and he made for the tree, got up, climbed into the tree, and hid there. And the other was not quite as quick, was not as uh, good at getting out of the way. And so when he saw the bear, he threw himself on the ground, and he played dead. He had heard that, you know, bears don't like dead things. So he decided to play dead. He laid down on the ground, and the bear came up and sniffed him all around. But the man kept perfectly still, didn't move a muscle, held his breath, trying to give the appearance that he was not alive. So the bear took him for a corpse, and he went away. And when the coast was clear, the uh, traveler who made it up into the tree, he came down, and he asked the other that was on the ground, he asked, uh, it looked like the bear whispered something in your ear. What did he say? He said, he told me, never again travel with a friend who deserts you at the first sign of danger. Well, we're going to be talking about bears today. Not necessarily bears, but bearing burden, burdens. Bearing burdens. We, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, were, uh, we kind of stopped this series just for uh, Resurrection Sunday and some of the things that were going on with it. And we had looked at the message to a king, that a message came to a king from two women about the, the babies. They ate the one baby the one day, and they wanted to eat the second baby the other day, but the one woman had hidden the baby. And when the king heard this request, he got real upset, tore his clothes, and they saw that he had sackcloth on underneath. And so we took on the thing about requests. How many times have we been asked things of people to do? And sometimes we get upset. Sometimes we get short-tempered with them. And is that okay? This king got upset. And he's ready to kill the man of God, Elisha. He said if, if Elisha's head remains on him, then he pronounced some kind of curse on himself, but... That's, uh, that's the thing he was going to do because he got upset at it. Sometimes we get upset at people because they make requests. It's real easy to get upset at family members when they make requests of you. We're usually more on our P's and Q's, so to speak, when we're at work. But sometimes even at work, we get upset because people have made requests or want us to do certain things. Maybe not in front of them. But after they leave, we'll tell other people how upset we are. And so we took that on and looking at it in this particular series about our heart, because sometimes this tells us about our heart's condition. When we get easily upset by, by folks and the things that they ask us. We said that when we are in pride, we, we tend to uh, blame others. We blame others for like this person had done, this person, this king was in pride. And when he saw a problem, he didn't see it as something that he had created because of the idolatry that the nation was in or the problems that they were doing and not following after God, and he blamed Elisha. There's a false humility. If we are in false humility, our heart is still not right. And we'll blame ourselves. Everything is our fault. If a person has false humility, everything is their fault. Well, I must have done something. I must not have done this, and, and so forth. That's a, that's a false humility. Uh, the humble go to the Word and or seek the Lord's counsel. That's what the humble do. Before they utter a single word or entertain a thought. Not saying a thought doesn't come to you, but before you entertain that thought, you go to the Word of God. Find out. That's where we need to be. That's where we need to, to go. 
The week after that, we was Palm Sunday, and we looked at the request that Jesus made of his disciples. Which two disciples were they? Yeah, we don't know. It doesn't tell us. Nobody tells us which two disciples they were. So he tells, he tells two disciples, uh, go into the city, and I want you to uh, steal a colt. Because that's really what he asked them to do. <laughs> he told them to take the colt without permission. And if you take something that belongs to someone else without permission, that is... Yeah, but he, he, he uh, had it all prepped ahead of time. And he says, if anybody says, what are you doing? You just say, the master has need of them, and they will relinquish them and let them go. And if you were one of those disciples, would you have done it? Would you have gone into, uh, if, if I told you right now, I, I need a small car. My car is just guzzling too much gas. I need a small car. Will you go into the adjacent parking lot, break into the car, hotwire it, and bring it over here to me? Would you do it? Yeah, probably not. Now, some of you may not do it because you're not skilled enough. I am one of those people. I don't know how to hotwire a car and don't really care to learn either. But if you were of those sort that you could do all those sort of things, would you do it? Well, you know, if you get caught in the car, who, who are they going to come after? They're going to come after you. So we looked at the dilemma that they had, but they went ahead and they did it. And then when they did so, this person who owned the donkey and the cult, they said the master has need of it. He said, all right, go ahead. And that's all that he did. He gave what he had. And we talked about giving whatever it is that we have. Whenever God asks us for, for what we have, we need to make sure that we, we give it. He said, the master has need of it. And we go ahead and do it. We have to take this attitude on more with the people that we are here to help. And when people ask us of things, especially when we're in ministry, especially when we're at home taking care of our, our families and things, when a request comes to us and someone asks us to do something, should we not, as believers, as people who walk in the love of God, be able to do the things that were asked, asked of us with a good heart, with a good attitude, without a problem? That's where we need to get to. Pride will keep us from that. False humility will keep you from that. We need to walk in a place where we are humble and, and uh, can do these things. But we asked, we ended up that, that particular Palm Sunday, we ended up with this. When something is asked of me, when, when people come, well, before we get into that, let's uh, just go over this last part we went over that, uh, on Palm Sunday. When something is asked of me, if I am in pride, if I am a prideful person, I can get angry, indignant, and bitter. If you find yourself getting angry, indignant, and bitter because people come and ask you things, that is a sign. Remember we talked about watching the signs? That is a sign that you are in pride and you need to take care of the pride. A lot of times we take care of the symptoms. Don't take care of the symptoms. Take care of the pride. You take care of the pride, you won't have the symptoms. The insecure or those that are in false humility find someone better to do it. If God says, uh, if, if God came to the, Jesus comes to his disciples and says, I need you to go into the city. Well, you know, Peter and John, they can do it. They're better. They, they, they're, they're better at handling these kind of things. We're not that good at, at that. No, if God asks you to do it, then God says what? You're in a place to do it. You're in a good, good spot to do it. Go, go on out there and do it. The humble, when you ask someone who is humble, they would be caring, serving, and loving the whole time that they're doing it. And that's what we need to get to. Caring, serving, and loving. If someone comes and asks something of you, do you have a servant mentality? Do you have a service-oriented uh, way to go? Or are you saying, why, why are you putting that on me? So we've got to make sure we keep pride out of our life because it's, it's going to hinder us. Who does God resist? 
the proud. Doesn't say the ugly proud. It says the proud. Doesn't matter if you're good looking and proud, God God will resist you. So just keep that in mind. Over here in Galatians chapter 6, we ended up with the question last time. When people ask something of us, do we automatically have to do it? And so, you know, because that's, that's where we're going to kind of have to answer that question. Because if uh, we've been looking at, well, people ask something of you, have a good attitude and be willing to do it, even if it's impossible and, and so forth. And well, does that mean that if anyone asks anything of you, should you do it? And if not, when do you say no? How many of y'all know that you've gotten in trouble sometimes because you didn't say no enough? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. And then you find out, oh, I really can't do that. Or something has, has uh, you've already committed yourself to something else. Well, if you're, if you're already there, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. If any man is overtaken in a trespass. This is describing someone whose sin has taken hold of their life and they are overtaken by it. They have a problem with this area of sin. Have you ever known anyone who's been overtaken by a trespass? You know, sometimes, you know, we can think of some of the more outwardly, outward uh, things like uh, drinking. They're overtaken by it. They're drunk all the time. They're an alcoholic. Uh, some people are overtaken by violence and they're always mean and they're always nasty and they're hitting things. And Well, there's other ones that you can do as well that aren't quite as uh, obvious. But if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So when he starts this off, he's talking about helping people who are caught up in sin. Then he goes on, he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. All right, now take a look at verse 2 again. Bear one another's burdens. What are you supposed to do with other people? Bear one another's burdens, right? Verse 5. For each one shall bear his own load or burden, depending upon your translation. Well, what's, which is it? Are you supposed to bear each other's burdens or are you supposed to bear your own? Because if you're supposed to bear your own burden, then if you bear someone else's burden, you aren't letting them bear their burden, are you? So you'd be going directly against the word of God. So is, is Paul just confused? We're not looking at two different verses in two different passages. We're looking at two verses in the same passage. One time he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then he says, for each one shall bear his own. Huh. So what's that mean? Well, whenever you have a problem, you begin to break it down. You know, you begin to, to look. Because the, the Bible was not written in English. So you go back to the language it was written in to find out what it's, it says. So here's the question. Should we or shouldn't we bear each other's burdens? How many of you have ever taken the time to bear somebody else's burdens? Somebody has a financial need. Someone has a physical need. Someone has a, uh, uh, too many things to do. And you help them out with that. All kind of burdens that go on. Again, what did he start off talking about? Sin. Right? Verse 1. Restore such a one. That's, that's, we, gotta, we can't forget that. Sometimes we get lost out in this burden thing. And we start expanding into all kinds of stuff. What's he talking about in the beginning? Verse 1. Sin. All right. Now, here in verse 2. 
one another's burdens. The word there for burdens is the Greek word baros. It is a noun. And I have make that. I don't usually uh, spell that part of it out for you, but it's important that you know this is a noun. We'll find out why uh, later on. But a noun, of course, in the if you uh, went through English class, a noun is one of three things: person, place, or thing. That's what a noun is. It's a person, it's a place, or it's a thing. So bear one another's persons, places, or things, so to speak. <laughs> it's a noun. It means weight, figuratively in the New Testament, a load. Abundance, authority, it is burden or burdensome, a weight. This is what it's talking about. It is the Greek word, baros. So when it talks about here, bear one another's burdens, baros, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is a weight. Now, we want to take a look at this verse in some other places as well. But before we do that, let's take a look at verse 5. In verse 5 it says, each one shall bear his own load, or each one should bear his own burden, depending upon your translation that you're using. This word is not the word baros. It is, a, it is the word that actually means an invoice for the load of a ship. That's what it was used for. It was a bill of lading, or if you had a, a, a cargo ship, you would have one of these, and it would list all the things that that ship was to carry. And so you would have this, this list, and as you were standing on the shore, loading up, you'd look on the list. Oh, yeah, that's one of the things. That's one of the things. That's, that's not on our list. That's, put that back. This was on our list. This is on our list. This is on our list. Why is it important that you have a list of things to put on a boat? What happens if you put too much weight on a boat? You have some trouble. Now, it may not sink right off the bat, but if you get some rough seas, that's when it starts to accentuate the problems that you have created by putting on too much weight. Because they know how much weight that, that boat is intended to carry. When you go over a bridge, any bridge anywhere, what's at the front of the bridge as you drive on? Weight limit. Now, fortunately, that is not the weight limit for all the things on the, on the bridge. You ever see one of those things, five-ton weight limit? Yeah, you, you're looking at that bridge and you're saying, there's a whole lot more on there than five tons. They want to make sure that your vehicle doesn't have more than five tons. That's, that's it, because we can carry so many vehicles, but not if they're over five tons. So if you have a 10-ton vehicle, you can't go over that bridge. And so it gives you the, the weight limit. It's not because we don't want to put, we don't want to stress out the bridge. You know, the, the bridge might be having a bad day. If I, no, we, we don't want the bridge to collapse. And then you would be down in whatever ravine or body of water or whatever it might be that that, that, is, that is over. I was delivering a bunk bed yesterday and I went over this particular bridge that goes over the Delaware River. I had never gone over this bridge before. I don't know that I will again. <laughs> and it's not that the bridge was scary. It's that the bridge was incredibly narrow. I have never been on a bridge this narrow before. Now... You all who drive cars don't quite know what it's like to drive a truck. Because I just seem, I don't think it's supposed to be that way, but it does seem to be the truck is wider. Now, I notice this mostly in going through a drive-thru. How many of you go through drive-thrus in banks? Go through them all the time. And a car zip right in, zip right out. In my truck, I do not zip in and out of drive-thrus. I most of the time avoid drive-thrus. Because if I go through a drive-thru, I have to inch through it, and I have exactly one inch on the left side and one inch on the right side. 
Exactly. If I am off at all, my mirror is going into whatever it is that's over there. So it's, it's, most people don't have that problem. So I know that my vehicle is a little wider than what most people are doing. And this bridge was particularly narrow. Now, I don't notice that until it's too late and you are on the bridge. And so people are coming down this way and people are going over this way. So I moved over as much as I can to what's on the right side. But that's still, you know, you leave you so much on the, on the outside. And so I'm looking at how close these guys are coming. I said, doggone, they are coming close. <laughs> and we're driving over the Delaware River on this really small bridge. And so um, I had it over as much as I could. And another truck was coming this way. And our mirrors banged. I felt so I thought maybe I can move over a little bit more. I tried to move over a little bit more. And my mirror banged on the bridge. So there wasn't any more room over here. I'm banging on the bridge here. If I move much over, I'm banging on people's cars. It was not fun. I, I did notice, though, that people apparently who have driven on this bridge before, I had not, but people who had driven on this bridge before had taken their mirror and folded it in. <laughs> They'd been on this bridge. They'd been down this road before. So I said, all right, I can learn. So when I, had to, when I got done delivering the bunk bed and I had to come on back over the bridge, I, I stopped. I pushed in my mirror. <laughs> until I got over on the other side and then I pulled them back out again and then we were in better shape. But, um, you know, they, they had a, a warning about the weight but not necessarily the width. So that didn't help me out. But, you know, they don't want too much going on that bridge because we don't want that bridge going into the ravine, river, whatever it might be that's there. But he says here, first off, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, that there is something we are fulfilling by doing so. And then over here in verse 5, for each one shall bear his own load or each one shall bear his own burdens. And this one means an invoice, a, a, a task or a service, a burden. It's an invoice for like on a ship. And so when you get that bill of what the ship is to carry, you're checking it off and making sure because someone has already done the weighing, somebody has already done the checking out, how much weight it can handle. And so you're just going to put those things on so that you don't get in trouble. So what it's saying is, this ship can handle this load. This ship was built to carry this load. This ship has been equipped to carry this. And in order for this to make, make money for us, we need it to carry this load. And that's what you, you have it to do. Now, you know, I, again, I have a truck. My truck will carry a lot more weight than people's cars for a purpose. I sometimes put a whole lot of weight on that truck. If we put that same amount of weight in your car, it would crush it. But I have a truck because I need to carry weight. The best job I ever did on that truck carrying stuff, I, we had to take it all the way out to Long Island, not Long Beach Island. Long Island. And that, uh, that truck I put on there, four bunk beds. One was a, a bigger bunk bed, four regular, uh, three regular sized bunk beds, three sets of drawers, and a trundle, plus all the bunky boards that went with it. Which, if you know how much a bunky board weighs, it was a lot of weight. And that truck just zipped right along, got it on up there to Long Island. We dropped it off, and it came right on back. And it, did, it, good, it was made to handle that. Now, some trucks are made to handle more weight. My weight my, the weight of my truck is not astronomical, 
but uh, there are some trucks that are made to handle even more than that. And you know what it is? Have you ever seen the, the trucks going down the road? You see a Ford 150. You see a Ford 250. You see a Ford 350 and a Ford 450. Well, they're all different weights. One's a one ton, one's a three-quarter ton, one's a half ton, quarter ton. It depends on the, on the number, how much weight that there are built to carry. But you've got to know what the weight is before you put the stuff in it. What this is saying here is this. You have been built to carry some weight. Carry it. That's what he's saying. You have been built to carry a certain amount of weight. Carry it. Each one shall bear his own load. What did Jesus say about a cross? Each one will carry his own cross. There's a th- sometimes Christians, we've gotten soft. We don't want to carry anything. Wait for other people to carry all this stuff. No. You need to carry some stuff. You're going to get soft otherwise. You need to be carrying some things. God's put some things on you. He said, I need you to do this. I need you to go into the city and get me a donkey and a colt. That's a, that wasn't that a responsibility? He put that on him. When he comes to Peter afterwards, he said, Peter, feed my sheep. He gave him some commands on that. He, he expects certain things. When he talks to Paul, Paul, you're going to do this for me. I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer for my name's sake. Who's going to suffer them? Paul. In other words, he's going to carry that load. And he got his endurance built up and he got to carry more and more. But here, this particular word is used in other places in the, in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden or load is Light. It's not overwhelming. You're built to carry it. You're able to carry it. Now just think of it today. Think of the boats. How many have ever been on one of those boats for fishing? A little fishing boat. I mean, you put, what, eight, ten people on it? You got your, your tackle and stuff like that, and you're going out there, and the, and the boat just does great. How many have ever seen an aircraft carrier? Could you put the same weight on that little fishing boat that you put on an aircraft carrier? Absolutely not. It's not going to carry it. The aircraft carrier is meant to you, and you wouldn't take an aircraft carrier out on a fishing excursion either. Each thing is, is built. To, you have been built to handle a certain amount of things. And God's basically saying this, handle it. You're able to do it. So get it done. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's not overwhelming is what he's saying. In Luke chapter 1146, and he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens. The same word is used here. For you load men with burdens. But then he puts this word on it here, hard. He puts that word, the Greek word dos. It is, uh, it, it talks about difficulty. It talks, it, and that's why they translate it hard. You have put on them difficult burdens. What is, what is the one that he put on? One that you could do. One that you can carry. What is the, these folks putting on? Something hard. Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear. And you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Now, instead of bearing each other's loads, they're putting things on them that they were not designed to carry. And he says, woe to you. That's not good. 
Matthew 23 and verse 4. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear. This one doubled it up. Uses the word here, heavy, which is the Greek word, baros. baros. It is the adjective of the noun we just used before for baros. It's the adjective of it. So we use the adjective for this word that Galatians used to say, bear one another's baros. And here we use the adverb or the adjective form of it, for they bind heavy burdens. So we use that to describe the word here for what's put on a ship. Hard to bear. And there we see the word dust used again. So he doubled it up. He put both of those things on here. For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, for they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So we see both of those things used. Heavy. That's what Baros, the, advert, the adjective side here, it means weighty, heavy, burdensome, grave, grievous. I mean, just it's, the idea is this is intense. This is something. Have you ever done it to, to, you know, carrying things around the house? I mean, how many of you have ever unloaded your dishwasher? Is that hard? No. These are all I mean, things that have to be done. They need to be done in the house. But picking up the dishes, you know, even sometimes you stack them three or four on top and then put them away. Four or five on top and put them away. That's not a big deal. But what if somebody put upon you? A king-size bed all at once. That would be a little much, right? That would be heavy, overburdensome. And that's what it's talking about here. There are some things you are built to handle. And there are some things that come upon you that are grievous. They're heavy. Now, we go through life. How many times do we go through maybe a week and nothing heavy we have to pick up? But then all of a sudden, we are stuck in a place, and we've got heavy, heavy, heavy stuff to move. And we look around for what? Help. I don't normally have to carry this, but I need to carry this right now. Maybe we're moving. If you're moving, you're moving all that stuff that's in your house into another house, can you do it by yourself? Now, you need some help. This is not something you go through every day. This is something you go through on occasion, and then when they go through that, what do you do? You go out and you find some help. Because some help will make the, the whole thing a whole lot easier to do. So you go out there and you, and you find some help. It depends on what you're, what you're used to. Depends on, and I'll tell you, it's not always the weight of a thing. Sometimes, I mean, we, I saw um, oh, uh, Mandy put something up there on Facebook about this movie coming out. Um, what was it? Mom's Day? Mm-hmm. Mom's Night Out? Mom's, mom's line, it looks hysterical. Oh, it looks funny. You see all these dads trying to take care of the kids for a couple of hours. You know, it's something that mom does all the time. But just a couple of hours, I mean, we're, I just saw some of the things in there. You know, uh, everything's going okay. Uh, we just made a quick stop at the hospital. <laughs> or something along that. I mean, it was funny. I don't know what the rest of the movie is. Maybe that's all the funny parts of it. Sometimes you see those, those previews and they put all the funny parts in the preview. But other times you find some and they're all gone. The whole movie was funny. And it's good. I hope it's one of those kind of movies. It looks like it'd be pretty good. But there's, a, there's those dads. And you feel sorry for them. They just look like they're ill-equipped to handle the things that are there. And they're, they're trying to, to handle these, these kids. Well, it's not something that they handle all the time. 
They may handle big boards. They may be handling uh, heavy loads. But when it comes to the kids, it was too much. It depends on what you're, you're used to handling. What are you used to? Here's a place where this word is used. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Ethel just read that this morning. His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not heavy. If you have a commandment from God and it feels heavy, burdensome, maybe this verse is wrong. That's probably what it is, right? God just didn't know about you and your situation. No, what's it mean? It means I am carrying something I shouldn't be carrying. I'm misunderstanding something that I, it's, it's not quite working right here. His commandments are not burdensome. They are not this way. If I am in a place where that is coming upon me, it's not from God. Matthew 23, verse 23. What do you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, the things that really amount to something? Justice and mercy and faith. This is the place where this word is used again. Barus. For I, Acts 20 and verse 29. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. This is the word that is used for savage. Weighty, heavy, burdensome. Wolves will come into the pack or come into the church. Acts 25 verse 7. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Well, they were serious. They were weighty. That's what he uses this word for. So this is your outline. So what we are to help with is the heavy burdens. What Galatians is teaching us, what Paul is teaching us in Galatians is bear one another's burdens, bear us. Bear one another's heavy, the things that come upon them that are more than they can do by themselves. More than their normal load. You need to come along and you need to help them out. So, what we are to help with is the heavy burdens, not the day-to-day or normal. Not the day-to-day or the normal. What he's talking about here is day-to-day normal stuff, bear it. Quit wimping out. Quit crying up a blue, blue streak. Get out there and bear, the, bear the, your, your load that you've got. You're able. You're equipped. You're ready. This is something that you can do. But when something heavy comes along, something surprising, something that's uh, unusual, other people will help come along and, and take hold of that with you. And, and, and I mean, sometimes it's, a, it's something physical, just like we talked about in the move. Sometimes it's emotional. If you lose, if someone close to you dies, that can tear at you emotionally. And other people can come along and help you with that. It's a heavy burden. But they're not going to be there for you forever. They're there for you for a little while. And then after a bit, what should you do? Pick it up. Let's go. All right, time of mornings is over. It's sad, but we got to get going. Life continues on. How many of you know people that lost someone and years later, they're still dealing with it? And now, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mean that they just feel sad about it. I mean, they can't carry on in life. They can't do things. Oh, I just feel though so. No. Life goes on. 
People came along. They helped you out for a little while. Now you need to get going. And sometimes it's hard for us to do that, to say that to people. You know, the grief that people are going to feel from losing someone close, especially when someone who's in your life all the time, it's going to be something that you feel on a regular basis. And it's going to weigh you down maybe in the beginning to where it's hard to continue on. But eventually, you need to get up past that. You need, need to come on and just and realize, as Paul says, we are not those who have no hope. We're going to see them again. So get up, get busy, do things for God. So when you get up there, you got some stuff to bring with you. And just keep thinking about it. Every time you think, oh, how much you miss them. Just think, of, oh, day's coming. I'm going to see him again. You see, people are caught up in that. They think, oh, I, I never got to do that. I heard uh, Brother Keith Moore. He was talking about this one time. His father had passed away. And he was thinking about all these things. Oh, I never got to do that with my dad. Oh, I never, I never get to do that again with my dad. And he was feeling sad. And then, you know, a little bit about that. And God says, who says you'll never get to do that? And he thought, well, yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> who says I never get to do that? You might be able to do that again. Next kingdom. So he, uh, he pushed that away. You know, we, ha- we have hope. So here's what he's teaching. There's a day-to-day, normal grind. You need to bear that. You need to pick that up. You need to get your endurance to the point that you can do that. But there, sometimes something comes on you that's heavy. And you need to have some folks that come along and, and help you out with that. You know, you can put this in the financial thing. How many of you know people and their, their finances are all messed up? And they keep coming to you for the, for the stuff, you know, because the, there's, there's, I need food. I don't have any food again this week. And it's an irregular thing. Now, sometimes you run into something, you know, unemployment comes in, you lost a job, uh, something bad happened, and, and I'm, that's one of the heavy burdens that comes in. We understand that. But we're talking day to day. And you feel compelled out of guilt to do some things. Understand what the Word of God is saying. And again, we started off here talking about sin. You can apply this maybe in some other areas and some other directions. But the number one area he's talking about is sin. If you see your brother under something, you need to get in there and help him out. But you know what? There's day-to-day temptations and stuff we all face. And you know what? They need to face those things. They need to do that. How many of you, now, I mean, we, we, we think of it this way. How many of y'all, we, we know it's good to be in church on Sunday, right? That's good. And most of you folks are not even in church, not just in church on Sunday. You're in church on Wednesday. You're listening to stuff during the middle of the week. You're in church all the time. So we're, we're, we're preaching to the choir on that one. But how many of you know people? Relatives, you know, places, people in other states, stuff like that. How many of you know people? Every Sunday morning, well, did you get to church? No, I didn't get to church today. How come you didn't get to church today? Well, I woke up and this happened. Well, I woke up and this was going. Well, how many times have we run into that? What is that? I'm not picking up the day-to-day. That's the day-to-day. How many of you all have stuff that happens to you? And it'll, it'll keep you going. It'll, it'll, it'll keep you going. Yeah, it'll, it'll mess with you. How many sometimes you feel tired? We can just feel tired. Yeah, my wife and I, we've been going at a crazy pace. And just keeping the, the bunk bed business just kind of exploded. And you can just do what you can do. I mean, all you can do, you can just do what you can do. But people still call in and they want, you know, they still want things. And, and so, you know, we're working as much as we can. But working sometimes, I, you know, we sometimes like to sit down and watch something at the end of the night. And I'm falling asleep on them anymore. I, mean, I can't sit down for 30 minutes. I'm falling asleep. 
It's just, uh, just she's nudging me. Do you want to watch this? I, I do want to watch this, but man, I'm just falling asleep. I just can't, uh, can't, can't I just can't seem to, to keep going. Yesterday I had a choice. I was, I was really tired. We came home from something. I thought I can either take a nap now or I can go for a run. Because sometimes going for a run revives you. It gets, kind of gets you going. So I decided to go for the run. And I came back and got showered. And got to, I was tired. <laughs> it didn't help. I was, I was tired. We sat down. first, And I'm falling asleep. I said, I'm just going to bed. I went to bed at 9 o'clock. And, um, but it's not unusual for a Saturday night because I get up really early. And so my, my alarm is set that for, for the time that I want to get up. But it, it helps me out. And it starts to wake me up about a half hour earlier. I am generally up before that even starts. I'm usually up an hour before I need to be, sometimes 45 minutes, something like that. I woke up at the time that the alarm was supposed to go off. I missed the whole half hour. <laughs> and what did I say? Hey, Steve, it's getting close to the time you want to get up. I missed the whole thing. I woke up and I looked over and I saw it. I slept through that whole half hour, that thing trying to wake me up. Mm. It's tired. But I know some of you, you've been, you've been there. You've had those times when your schedule just got heavy and you feel tired. And what happens when the, the alarm goes off and you have to be at work? You get to work. Don't you? You get to work. What happens when the, the alarm goes off and it's time to go to church? You get to church. What happens when it's dinner time and you make dinner? But you're tired. What do you do? You make dinner, Right? You, you pick up and you carry on. But how many of you know people? Well, I can't make dinner. Let's just go out and buy something. And they spend more money than they need to, and I have to work more. Right? And you got to work more to pay for the time you went, went out there. Or you, or you uh, sleep in in the morning, and you show up at work an hour too late. Well, now you lost money, and your boss is upset. And then, of course, Sunday morning comes along. Well, no one has paid me to go to church. I'm just tired. I'll, I'll stay. Now, now, I'm not talking about you folks. But there are, we all do know people. And they go through this. Right? The day-to-day weighs them down. God says you need to get up to the part where the day-to-day does not wear you down. And then when other stuff comes along, people need to come along and help you. Now, you already have been applying this to your life. Just think of it this way. You know people who cannot handle the day-to-day. And when they come to you and they begin to talk about something that is overbearing, what happens to you on the inside? <laughs> yeah, right, overbearing. I'll tell you overbearing. <laughs> right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's overbearing. And, and you don't take it seriously. Because you know the little stuff is overbearing to them. What Paul is teaching us here is... You ought to be able to handle the day-to-day temptations. Now, there are some stuff that is working on you and it's overtaking you. Get some help. But you ought to be able to face the day-to-day temptations and not give in to them. It's a temptation from the devil to sleep in when you're supposed to be at work. God's not tempting you to do that. We need to get over that sort of stuff. So when you get to that place and, and your own self comes up and the devil wants to, you know, he, enemy comes in, he starts whispering and stuff, you, you ought to be helping those people. No, they need to be taking care of some things themselves. They need to learn how to take care of it themselves. And if, they, if you keep stepping in and taking care of their day-to-day, that's not helping them out, is it? 
Now, what's really particularly unusual when you, th- when you look into this is that the people who don't handle their day-to-day also don't help anyone else in their heavy burdens. If you help people in their heavy burdens, what happens when you have heavy burdens? Now, look at it this way. How many, how many, how many people have moved? Yeah, we moved. And when you move, you generally ask people for help. And we have been asked to help other people move. When other people have asked us to move, and we've jumped in, yeah, I'll help you. I can walk off this part of the day, and I'll come on over there and help you. And then somebody else asks you to move, and you help them. And then somebody else asks you to move, and you help them. And then when it's your time to move, and you say, I need help. Is it not true that the people that you helped out, yeah, 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 we'll be right there. We'll be over there. And they do. Why? Because you sowed into them, and when you need to reap, what do you do? You reap. Once you know that this passage talks about sowing and reaping? And we're going to get there. Verse 3, though. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So, if a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, what kind of a person is this? That's a prideful person. That's a prideful person, exactly. That's what it is. He's talking about a prideful person. A prideful person thinks they are more than they are. For if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You don't need help anybody else deceiving you. You're doing a good job on your own. (laughs) But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. The word there for rejoicing, you know what it can also be translated? Boasting. (laughs) boasting you know rejoicing has an element of boasting in it except boasting boasts on you rejoicing boasts on God you see the difference when you rejoice you are boasting on God Not, not on yourself but let each one examine prove it out check it out Take what you are doing and compare it to what God says. Not what you think about it. What God says. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You can look at that and say, Father, God, look at what you did. Through me. Glory to God. You don't have to go out there broadcasting it to everybody. You can rejoice in yourself. So we are to prove or examine our own work. Prove or examine your own work. Verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. The word there for share is the Greek word koinoneo. Sounds like koinonia, doesn't it? To share with, communicate, distribute, be a partaker. That's what it's talking about. And it doesn't just mean, sometimes we look at this and say, well, you know, make sure you take care of the people who teach the, the Bible. That's not just what it's talking about. It's talking about sharing, communicating. Not just, not just putting money in there. Sometimes just share it. I'll tell you what, some of the things that matter the most to a teacher, to someone who's teaching you the Word of God, is when you share what it's doing in, their, in your life. Amen. When you talk about how it's changing some things. When you talk about how it's helping. It's just it's share those things. If somebody in the body of Christ 
that's giving you a testimony and it helps you, share with them. Communicate with them. Tell them what's going on. How that helped you out. That encourages both of you. That's what he's talking about doing. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. If you sow bearing each other's burdens, when you need someone to come in and help bear something that's too heavy for you, they will be there. They'll be there to help. That's the, that's the, the normal thing. And, and they should. Sometimes you're going to run into some stuff that's a little too much. And you're going to need some help. So when you find someone else who's running into something that's a little too much, help them out. We're not talking, you sow, you sow into the day-to-day, that's not helping them out. We're talking about sowing into the heavy. Sometimes when it's a day-to-day, you need to step back. Come on, you can do that. Come on, pick it up. Let's go. You need to help them out. You need to help them by letting them do it themselves. Not taking it over for them. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. That's an odd thing to put in there. Let's find out why he does that. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. How easy is it for us to grow weary? You know why we, a lot of times we grow weary? is because we are dealing with the day-to-day and not the heavy. We are helping people with the day-to-day. We're not helping with the heavy. And when you help with the day-to-day, it's a constant thing. It's, a, it's every day. They need help with this. Every day, they need help with that. Every day, they need help with this. And it wears you down. But that's not what you're supposed to be doing. And in essence, you are not sowing to the Spirit. You are sowing to the flesh. Because the Spirit, what He has said, is so to the heavy. Not the day-to-day. The day-to-day, they need to bear it. The heavy, you can bear it. You can help them out with that. Jump in there and, and pick it up with them. But there needs to be a jumping in and a jumping out. And then they need to be able to pick up and carry on. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Or in some put it, we don't faint. Because we tend to do that. If we keep going at it and keep going at it and keep going at it and we don't see any progress, the people aren't getting any better, we just faint. We just quit. Well, you were, you were sowing to the wrong thing. And then the devil starts telling you, see, he doesn't do any good to sow to that. That's wrong. Don't, don't pay attention to him. Listen to what the Spirit of God has to say. Therefore, we have an opportunity to let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Especially to who? And who's the one who wears you out the most? Isn't that right? Aren't they the ones who wear you out the most? The household of faith? The Christians? They're supposed to be a Christian. Look at the stuff they're doing. We get wore out by Christians. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, what's the doing good? Is it doing good to help with the day-to-day? That's not doing good. The doing good is helping with the heavies. You've got to make the decision what's heavy and what's not. If it's heavy, do good and get in there and help them out. And you're sowing to the Spirit when you do that. Help them with the day-to-day, you're sowing to the flesh. You don't need to be doing that sort of, the, sort of stuff. So do good especially to those of the household of faith. Even though these are the ones who wear you out the most. Especially focus on them. If other Christians 
are in, in trouble, don't sit back there and say, well, they ought to believe God. Get in there and help them believe God. Get in there and give them some of the word you got. Get in there and, and if they got an overwhelming situation. Get in there and help them out. Because you're going to be a time you're going to have an overwhelming situation. And you've sown to it. And people will come and, and do that. It seems that a lot of people get something overwhelming. And they don't have anybody around, but they've never sown. It's important that you sow. We've used this example before. But when Jesus is at the back of the church watching people give. Because that's what he was doing. He sat in the back of the church and he's watching people give. What would, you, what would you do if Jesus sat in the back of the church and watched you give? What would you do then? So Jesus is at the back of the, ch- the church, back of the synagogue, and just watching people. I'm, I, you guys, some people are looking at him. Why are you watching? They didn't have envelopes. They didn't have decks. They had real money. And they're putting real money in. So some people put a whole lot of real money in and this one lady came on up and she put in little two little mites, two little bits. And Jesus says, oh, that's neat. Now notice that Jesus does not say, fetch, fetch those two things out and give them back to her. She didn't need to be given. He says, that was good what you gave. He didn't tell her to give it back. He didn't give her anything more. He said it was good. It's important that even if you don't have a whole lot, that you give. It's important that you do. I don't have a whole lot of energy. It's all right. So what you got. I can't help people do too much. That's all right. So what you can. Well, I'd help somebody move, but I can't really lift anything. I've been on moves before and some people stayed on the inside and just packed boxes. Glory to God for that. I would far rather, me, I would give me the heavy stuff. I'll lift it, move it, put it into the, the truck. Don't ask me to pack boxes. Don't ask me to pack boxes. I don't like packing boxes. When I want to, I'd rather just pick up something heavy and move it. But you see, we all got something that we can give. We all can go in there and we can put that, that part out. And it's all equally important. If, if you're out there packing boxes, that means somebody else who could be picking up the heavy stuff is out there lifting the heavy stuff. And it's good. Everybody does their, does their part. So don't ever put down what you got to give. Don't ever put it down. Whatever you got to give, give it. I don't have anything to give. Then you're calling God a liar. Because my Bible tells me that he gives seed to the, mm. he gives seed to the, if you don't have seed, you aren't sowing. Well, amen. Got quiet all of a sudden. If you don't have seed, you're not sowing. He does not need to give seed to someone who's not sowing. He gives seed to the sower. You're eating all your seed. Don't eat your seed. Sow it. Anyway, that's another other stuff. Verse 11. See what large letters I have written to you with my own hand. Now, some people take this and say that Paul had an eye disease. Do you see anything in there about an eye disease? No. Let me put this in context for you. If you remember back in the day, how many were back in the day? It's not anymore. Hardly anybody does it anymore. Back in the day when you actually wrote out on paper, stationary paper, a letter. Remember that? If you wanted to emphasize something, what did you do? You wrote it in. Big letters. All right. So now we bring it to the modern day. We're in the, in the text area. If you want to emphasize something in a text message, what do you do? Caps. Put it in all caps. Right. You want it to stand out. He wants this to stand out. That's all he's saying. He's talking about nothing about his eyes. But that's just ignorant people trying to find what they want. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they would compel you to be circumcised 
only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. People are going to try and get you to do things in the flesh by pushing, pushing the spiritual buttons. They're going to try and get you to help with the day-to-day when you're only called to help with the heavy. And they're going to use guilt to try and get you there. That's what he's basically saying. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Not rejoice, boast. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That they, those who compel you, they are the those who compel you may boast in your... They want to boast in your flesh. That's all they want to do. They want to boast in what they got you to do. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Become a new creation. Get on with, with God. Don't worry about the stuff of the circumcised, the uncircumcised. Don't worry about all the natural stuff. It makes no difference. He's looking at not circumcised, uncircumcised, not Jew or Gentile. He's looking at what's going on, on the inside. Are you a new creation? Get turned on to God. Get turned on to what God is doing. I put in your, your outline for verse 15 here. What is done outwardly has no effect inwardly. What is done outwardly has no effect inwardly. But a lot of people are working more on the outward side and not enough on the inward side. Verse 16, For And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. For now, or from now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He can... He, he can show you. He can show you what he's done. How many have seen some uh, war veterans who can show you some of the marks in their body from the battles that they faced? Paul had the marks in his body. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Your spirit. Amen. Now, it is a good thing to help others. It is a good thing to help others. But make sure you are helping within the context of what the Bible tells you. It does not say bear each other's burdens. It says bear each other's Heavy burdens. The day-to-day burdens that we carry, carry them. And stop complaining about it. Stop griping, saying how hard it is, how tough it is. It's not tough, it's day-to-day. You are well able to do it. You are equipped to do it. You can handle it. You can get up in the morning. You can go to work. You can come home, make dinner. You have it in you. You can study the word in between. You can study the word before you go to bed. You can have time to pray. You can do all those things. It is, a, it is available to you. You can get it done. Stop telling yourself you can't. You can do it. I can get it done. The day-to-day, I am up to the day-to-day. I can do the day-to-day. That's what you need to tell yourself. Stop telling yourself you can't do the day-to-day. Some people wake up in the morning, they feel tired. I don't know if I can keep doing this pace. Stop saying that. I can do this pace. I can get up earlier if I need to. You tell yourself what's going on. You are equipped for your day-to-day. And when something heavy comes on, there are going to be people around that will help you out. But keep your eye open. Find some other people. When you find somebody who's overtaken in sin, make sure you restore them the right way. Don't be overtaken with pride. 
be humble. Go in there knowing, hey, I could be fallen too. And you get in there and be merciful. Have the grace of God showing. But as we said, it's a good thing to help others. But here's, uh, here's some things to keep in mind for it. First, determine what is heavy. Determine what is heavy. Is this heavy? Is it not heavy? If you look at some guys that are bodybuilders. Gals too. They can, they, they can I mean, guys, gals, they, they all, they're bodybuilders and all, all types. When they, uh, when they start lifting things and getting some stuff ready, I mean, they pick up some stuff. It's not heavy anymore. If I go over there and pick that up, I'll probably say it's heavy. <laughs> Might be heavy to me, not heavy to them. We all get used to certain, certain things. Determine what is heavy. Second, resist guilt to do more. Don't be led by guilt. That's being, led to, that's being so into the flesh. When you follow after guilt, you are so into the flesh, not the spirit. Paul taught us in this passage, so to the spirit. Don't so to the flesh. So to the spirit. Resist guilt to do more. Third, target a good showing in the spirit. You want a good showing in the spirit, not a good showing in the flesh. I want a good showing in the spirit. I want God to look down on this and say, that's exactly what needed to be done. That was good. That was a good showing right there. Way to go. You saw what was needed and you did it. You did it with a good attitude. You did it with great attitude. You were, you were a servant to people. You were loving. You were caring. Pride didn't well up on the inside. You didn't get aggravated at people. You didn't spout off at people. You did a good showing in the spirit. Fourth, resist a good outward showing. That's showing to the flesh. Sometimes people want to have a good outward showing. They smile and they say all kinds of good things, but inside they're grunting and grime. I can't believe they're asking me to do this. Can you do it? Yeah, 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 sure, I can do it. can't believe they're asking me to do this. I should not have to do this. That's wrong. That's a good outward showing. It's a bad inward showing. That's being circumcised and not following after the law. That's, uh, don't, don't be doing it. Target showing in the spirit. Resist a good outward showing. You don't want, you don't want just a good outward showing. I want what's on the inside to come out on the outside. So I want what's on the inside to be good. And last, care about what God thinks. Care about what God thinks. It is our tendency to care about what others think. Care about what God thinks. You got to keep... God, what do you think about this? What are you thinking about this thing? Care about what he thinks. Don't care about what other people are going to come and give you your opinion. Well, I think you ought to do that. Well, you're not me. <laughs> you think I ought to do that? Why don't you go do it? Well, I, I, I can't do that. I don't have that. Yeah, but you think I should. Why don't you do it? I care about what God thinks. God, what do you think about this thing? Sometimes God will say, you know what? You have no responsibility to do that at all. But can I ask you to do it this time? And you're not doing it out of guilt. And you go to the person and you say, I'm doing this because God told me to help you out in this thing. And you, you get in there and you do that thing. And you help them out. It's good. And God says, you know what? Don't put any more in there. If you put any more in there, you're hindering what I'm trying to do. Huh. I don't want to hinder you, God. I don't want you to either. Get out of my way. And don't do it. Got to hear what God is thinking. Find out what is heavy for this one. What's heavy? Because you're not called to help out with the day-to-day. You're called to help out with the heavy stuff. With the heavy stuff. Now, you've done this already. Think about the little kids. 
when they're growing up. Right? When those kids are little, I mean real little, and they want a glass of milk, what do you do? You go in the refrigerator. You get the milk out. You go into the cupboard. You get a glass. You pour it with that. You say, sit up at the table. Right? They sit up at the table, and you put the glass there in front of them. And you let them pick up the glass and, and drink it. As they get a little older, I want a glass of milk. All right, you go get a glass. I'll get the milk. And they go in, they get the glass, and you get the milk. And probably you pour the milk because you don't want it all over the floor. And then as they get a little older, you get the, all right, you go get the glass. And then you get the milk out, and you try and help them pour it. Or you do some, and you just kind of step them up. And then after, you know, they get to be a teenager and they say, I want a glass of milk. What do you say? (laughs) So go get it. (laughs) Right. So go get it. Aren't you doing that? Didn't you do? Didn't you judge what was heavy and what was day to day? And initially you saw this as being heavy and you helped them with it. But then you began to wean them off of it. Why do we lose sight with that with our Christian walk? We've lost sight with that. We're not letting people grow up. We're not letting Christians grow up. We need to let them grow up some. We need to teach them how to, how to get over these kind of things. Did Jesus ever do this? He certainly did. If you remember back in the story, that there was a whole mess of people came out to hear him teach. And they were so eager to hear him teach. They taught and he taught and he taught. And they were in a wilderness place. And the disciples said, we need to send them away. And he says, uh, now you feed them. And so they had the feeding of the 5,000. And then after that, what did the people want to do? They wanted to hang out. Hey, we'll just stay here. You feed us. You teach us. We'll just do this. And Jesus says what? Uh-uh. Send them home. Send them home. They don't need to be out here. We don't need to be feeding them every day. We fed them here because it was a special case. Send them home. They need to take care of their own day-to-day. I don't need to take care of the day-to-day. They need to take care of it. That's what they need to do. Think of it back in the Old Testament. Israel. In the wilderness. Who fed them? God did. Who gave them water? The day they crossed over the Jordan River, what happened to the manna? It stopped. Why? Because now they're able to do the day-to-day. God sees it as important that we learn how to handle the day-to-day. Not keep waiting for other people to handle it for us. The heavy stuff... Yeah, it's going to come. You're going to have some heavy stuff that's going to come in every once in a while. It's all right. There's some people that are going to come around and they're going to help you. You need to receive the help that they're going to give you. And you need to look for opportunities to sow that help into others. Because there's going to be a time you're going to need to harvest. What you sow, Galatians told us, you will reap. If you sell, sow no help, what will you reap? No help. If you sow some help, you'll get some help. <laughs> if you sow a whole lot of help, what are you going to get? A whole lot of help. Because what you sow, you reap. Glory to God. Yeah, glory to God. Keep that in mind. Is it sometimes okay to say no? It's sometimes required. It is sometimes required. You need to say no. You need to stand back. 
just like you've done with your kids as they're growing up. Think about the milk. Think about stuff to do when they're hungry or they need something. Same, same principle. Would you all stand up with me? Well, Father, we thank you that you give us the ability to discern the difference between what is heavy and what is day-to-day. What we should come alongside and help with and what we need others' help for. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us to do this. To not be moved by guilt, but to be moved by the Spirit of God. We give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This just dropped down in my spirit for next week here. We'll get into this. There are some things that we do in our Christian walk along this same line that is hindering us from our development. It's between us and God, not other people. We'll get into that for the next week. We'll look at that. We'll, we'll extend it, extend us into, into that. But today is our Communion Sunday. When we have Communion Sunday, we remember the things that Jesus did on the cross. When he came down to earth to help us with something. You know what he helped us with? Something that was heavy and burdensome. Something that we could not do on our own. We could not pay the price on our own. We needed someone to pay it for us. He did not expect us to do it. He came down and expected to do that for us. But then after that, doesn't he expect something from us? Doesn't he expect us to realize the message? To obey? To follow after it? He came down and he did this. Now he says all you need to do is receive it. All you need to do is receive receive it. I did all the work. All you need to do is receive. He did what we couldn't do. But he's not going to do what we can. He's not going to do that. You can, and you already have. I'm not talking to you. But you can. People in this world, they can receive the truth of the gospel. They can repent of their sin. They can receive Jesus as their Savior. They can be born again. That's something they can do. Jesus does not help them with that. He helped them with the part they couldn't do. They couldn't pay for their sin. They couldn't bear that. Jesus did it himself. When we think of the cross, it's a great example of someone who took what we could not do and did it for us. But still left the part of the day-to-day for us to do. And we needed to do that part in order to receive the part that he did. Looks like everyone is is now served. And on the day that Jesus was in the garden with his disciples, he'd gone out and they had dinner before. As he got them into the room, before supper started, he took the bread and he broke it. And he says, this represents my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance, because he knew we would forget. We just look around the churches here today, the churches in America, churches around the world, even the other religions. We're always adding things, missing things. And we're not going back to the message of what he did. Jesus' body was beaten, 
was bruised so that we would walk in healing and that the curse that was put on our body, he would bear. We don't have to bear that curse anymore. So as we eat together, let's remember the curse that he delivered us from. We do not bear. He did. And no one gets any glory out of us bearing those things. He already bore it in his body on the tree that we, being dead to sin, might live under righteousness. Let's eat together. Disciples then shared a meal together. And at the end of the meal, Jesus took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. In the old covenant, blood covered up sin. But it was still there. Under the new covenant, Jesus' blood washed it away. It's gone. There's nothing more that is held against us. And we stand before God the Father. Not based on our good works, but based on what he did. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. All sin. Glory to God. Let's drink together. It is something we do once a month. But always stay in remembrance of what God did. It's the basis of Christianity. That he took our penalty. He took our sin. He took our curse. So that we don't have to. Glory to God. We have some praise reports. I see if anybody didn't have their praise reports turned in. Ushers will be going around looking for those. This one is from uh, Mandy. She said, Lamar and the kids and she had a wonderful family trip to a resort in Indiana with their room and most of their meals paid for. Much needed respite. Amen. Um, Susan said, praise the Lord. I received an an unexpected bonus this week that covered a surprise plumbing repair bill. (laughs) Isn't that awesome how God just kind of meets the need as they come? (laughs) Um, Ethel says, uh, praise God that I have people in my life who look out for me. Uh, He gave them to me for my good and that I may serve him by serving others. Uh, Roshan said, after a tumultuous four days and a few bumps in the road, I was offered a promotion for the job that I was praying for. Amen. And I didn't write mine out, but I had a praise report this week. I had favor and favor and favor. Um, I went to get my oil changed, and the owner of the shop, for some reason, decided to pick up my tab for that and the car wash and everything else. And I had a credit card company reimburse me for things that they charged me for that they shouldn't have. <laughs> I just had a favor on that one. And um, there was something else that came up this week. Uh, the pastor was talking about all these um, these bunk bed orders that have come in. And, you know, we use the bunk bed business quite a bit as a, as a ministry tool as well. You know, there's a lot of people that can't afford them or, you know, we were taking things off or whatever. But, you know, we're... <laughs> This business, he came back one day, he had been delivering things, and he came back and says, my phone, my the, the text message, the voice message, his computer, everything is just blowing up. He says, and I didn't answer a single one of them. There's too many coming in. And I said, I started thinking about that. I said, you know, your prices are getting ready to go go up. You have it on there that they're going to go up. They're going to increase. And, you know, even after the increase, the bunk beds are still coming in. There's still stuff going on. So, you know, God does continue to bless and I was thinking about this as you were as you were talking about it, that the day-to-day things, the same way that our faith grows, you know, as little kids, you know, they can only do things uh, to their ability. But as you start to handle more of the day-to-day stuff, even that can increase and grow. Isn't that awesome? 
And I just love how God is setting us up. <laughs> <laughs> I said it at the, the Women's Fellowship. He is setting us up for something good. I'm expecting it. Amen. Amen. Amen.